we're going to look at a word in its verb form and in its noun form that is used close to 50 times just in the New Testament. And those two words are repent and repentance. We don't hear too much about words like that across America these days because it has such a negative, humbling, embracing of truth. That's why we're going to look at repentance unto salvation and then for the believer, repentance unto holiness. And I'd like for us to first turn to Matthew chapter 4 as we get started here. Matthew chapter 4. I want us to read one verse because what I want us to see here, the one person that used the word and, and preached the word often was the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 4, we'll just read one verse, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. We thank you and praise you for your holiness. And Lord, as long as we're in this mortal body, we still have to deal with sin. Lord, may we see how you want us to deal with sin. So Lord, and if there's one here tonight that does not know for sure that he or she's saved and assured of going to heaven, we pray that your Holy Spirit will open up their eyes unto the, their sin and their need of Jesus Christ. And Lord, pray that you just work in our hearts tonight that we may draw, be able to draw closer to you as we apply your biblical truths. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. As we start off in thinking about the, this, again, the term repent or repentance, let's kind of give a basic de definition, which will kind of expand, you might say, a little bit as we go through, a little bit of overlap in some of the points. But let's consider that what repentance is, is number one, acknowledging the sinfulness of sin. The sinfulness of sin in the light of a holy God. But with that, true repentance is not only acknowledging of sin, it is also running to God. If you have just the acknowledging of sin, that's not full repentance. And sometimes we say, well, we want to run to God. But if there's not acknowledgement of sin, you're not going to, you and I are not going to get close to God. So it has to be both. It has to be both. And so first of all, I'd like for us to consider what the Bible teaches about repentance unto salvation. Repentance unto salvation. There are a lot of preachers that they'll preach and say, well, just believe. You know, just like the Philippian jailers that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And they just say, all you need to do is believe. But the problem with that, with some preachers, because we'll think about what the Philippian jailer said, uh, is that a lot of them, they don't realize that James 2 says what? The devils also believe. They also believe. But just having a head knowledge, okay, I agree. Yes, there is a God. Jesus is His Son, and He died on the cross. Yes, I believe that. And a lot of preachers say, well, you're saved then. Not necessarily. Just having a head knowledge of, who, of God is not salvation. And the Philippian jailer, I think the reason Paul just told him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, because being a jailer, you generally are not a nice guy. 
Okay, now that's no reflection upon Mike Thomas, please understand that. Okay, uh, but you're generally not a nice guy in the jailing back in those days. I mean, you had to be rough and tough and, and mean to a certain extent. And so the Philippian jailer realized he was sinful. And so he cried out, what must I do to be saved? Now, he already had the repentance part as far as dealing with sin. He just needed to know, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so, you know, think about also over in Luke chapter 13. Again, uh, continue on the thought of, of Jesus. Uh, they were talking, his disciples were talking to him. And uh, starting verse 1, it says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Which, that would be a terrible thing. I mean, here that uh, this leader took these Galileans and, and uh, killed them and they mingled their blood with their sacrifice to desecrate the sacrifice. And it's just a terrible thing. And Jesus answered and said to them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Kind of the idea that, you know, the, if you really suffer something, kind of like what Job's friends did, boy, you must have done something wrong. You must have really sinned for you to get all these calamities upon you. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. You think they, they were more worse sinners above all the others because they suffered such things? I'll tell you nay, except ye repent. You shall all likewise perish. Are those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them? Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus wasn't holding any punches here. He was preaching. You want to get right with God? Then you must repent. And again, we always have this idea that those really, really bad people, you know, that, uh, you know, like uh, uh, maybe like uh, uh, the prostitutes, the drug dealers, the murderers, we think, uh, the abortionists, we think, man, I'm telling you, God's going to, they're going to really suffer when they get to hell. So is the moral righteous, morally righteous person, too. So is the religious person. You think about the Pharisees. <clears throat> How much Jesus, I mean, he, he really preached hard at them. You hypocrites. You're a snake in the grass. He's trying to get them to see their sinfulness. So Jesus was saying repentance is truly part of genuine salvation. I think of another passage over in Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul, he was meeting with the, the uh, elders from the city of Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. And while he was there, he knew it was going to be the last time that he was going to see them. <coughs> and so he was preaching at them. And he was telling them, I want to remind you what I preached while I was with you. And you get to Acts chapter 20, and this is what he would have preached in there in as far as the evangelistic aspect. In uh, verse 20, he said, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable on you, but have showed you, the Acts 20, 20, and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, look, when I was there, I preached, you've got to repent. If you want to be saved, you want to have your sins forgiven, and you want to get right with God, you must repent. And repentance again is acknowledging I am, and we're talking about salvation, I am a sinner. I have sinned against a holy God. And I truly do not deserve heaven. You hear all these advertisements nowadays. Get, get, the, get what you deserved. 
Well, I'm telling you, that's a scary thought when you really think about it. But a person is on the way to salvation. Not that I'm saying it's a progressive part. I'm just saying that uh, is acknowledging and realizing, yes, I am a sinner. I am not right with God. Remember when Peter was out fishing when they first kind of started getting to know who Jesus was like? And he was fishing all day long, didn't get, I mean, all night long, and didn't get a thing. Fish like I fish. And then Jesus came and said, Cast it in on the other side. I mean, he caught so many fish that it's like they had a hard time pulling him in. What was Peter's response? He, he realized this was, a, this was God. He got on his knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He realized once he was in the presence of holy God, it smote him in his conscience. He was a sinner. And that's part of salvation, realizing the sinfulness of your sin. Well, how do we see the sinfulness of our sin? By realizing the holiness of God. See, we we so easily forget that God is a holy, holy, holy God. And like with Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, what was his response? He said, woe is me. What's the average milk toast preacher preach about? You're not that bad of a person. You, you know, you just need to try a little harder. You know, you just need to, you know, stop a few things. And, and God loves you and you're okay. No. When we realize we're in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God, it should so smite us that we're so grieved over our sinfulness. What am I going to do about my sin? We need to be careful when we witness to people. That we try to say, well, just believe, just say this prayer. I, I mean, I had to learn this through the years. I mean, as I went to college, and part of the requirement as a preacher boy was to, you know, you've got to, not, you've got to reach out to at least seven people every week. So I got my quota in, and I remember one time I, I went to this A&W root beer stand. I mean, remember the A&W root beer stands. Okay, I mean, now that was good fast food food. Uh, you know, you know, frosted mug. Okay. Anyhow, I remember there's this guy sitting on the bench out front, and I said, well, I don't have my quota, so let me think. Oh, I'll go talk to him. So I told my wife, you just stay in the car. No one ever sit down. I went through the Roman road just like, like that. So you want to pray and get saved? I said, yeah. And he prayed, he's prayed. And I said, what do you think? You know, if you were to die right now, where you go? To, where you go? think you'll go. I'll go to heaven. I said, well, how do you know? I'll feel it. And then he was just getting me off his back. And I realized I had to change my tactics if I wanted to be an effective witness. And realize I don't need to be pushing for a decision. God gives the increase. But what we need to do is present the scriptures. So that hopefully, as it's he, not hopefully, but so that the Holy Spirit can take the word of God and convict them of their sin. Because if they're not convicted of their sinfulness, they're not going to really be concerned about getting right with God. And so we just, we just need to sow the word. Get it out there. Don't compromise the truth of God's word. Bring out John 6, I mean, excuse me, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. <clears throat> and since we are all sinners, that applies to us all. And we got to, you know, like I'm sure many of you have heard, we got to get them lost before we can get them saved. And we need to rely upon this Holy Spirit of God to convict them. <clears throat> That the issue is not whether you're religious or not. Just like I was talking with somebody this afternoon. 
about uh, one particular religion, and like I shared with them, I said, you know, I talk to many people, and you know, I ask them, well, if you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? And they'd say, well, I'm, <clears throat> I was baptized when I was a kid, or I went to vacation Bible school at such and such Baptist church, and, and I went forward when I was seven years old. But they never went to church after that. They never read their Bible. They cuss like a sailor. And they, they think they're saved. Why? Because they went forward and said a little prayer. It doesn't matter what kind of religious denomination we're affiliated with, whether it's Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Mormon, whatever. That does not take us to heaven. <clears throat> the only thing that takes us to heaven is acknowledge we're a sinner. And the only way we can deal with our sin is by trusting in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ, you think, but why did Jesus have to die? Because a holy God said sin must be paid for. And that involves repentance. Knowledge in sin and running to a loving, forgiving, holy God. But you know, repentance is not just for the lost. Now, pardon me for got this frog in my for, I got frog in my throat. Okay, <clears throat> there's also repentance unto holiness as a child of God. Once we receive Christ our Savior, I mean, just like Brother Brian so well the last few weeks that he's preaching preached about how we're free from the from the power of sin, but we still do it, don't we? We still have to deal with it. As long as we're in this mortal body, we're going to continually have to deal with sin. No matter how much we desire to not do it, like Paul said in Romans chapter 7, we still do it. And we think, well, I just don't feel that close to God. And maybe the reason is because we haven't repented of our sin as a child of God. You know, the sin of adultery... Sin of stealing, sin of killing. It's an obvious sin. Then we say, well, I don't do any of those things. But what about those little white lies? Cheating on the in- income tax. What about those fits of envy or jealousy? What about those t- times you flare up with your anger at your spouse? What about things like that? I mean, like Paul, you read Paul's writings, many places he put away wrath, anger, malice, evil speaking, blasphemy. He said, put away those things. Why? Because they're sin. And so what, so what happens to so many of us Christians, we wonder why we don't feel close to God, because we've got a pile of unconfessed, unrepentant sin over here. And what has happened is we've gotten so used to being a child of God, we forget the holiness of God. Thank God God is, like it says in Romans 8, Abba, Father. We can cry out to God as a result of being saved. We can say Abba, Father, and have that father-child relationship, which is a wonderful relationship. But within that, we can get so comfortable in it and think so much about His love and so much about His comfort that we forget He is still a holy God and He does not tolerate sin. I've just been reading my New Old Testament, starting in the book of Isaiah. 
You know what most of the prophets dealt with? Of course, I know it's a question of their salvation, but some there. Almost every one of the prophets were preaching, you've sinned against a holy God, and God is going to bring punishment. Now, thank God in almost every one of the prophets, he says, but if you'll turn back to me, I forgive you because I love you. But God still was dealing with the sin of the people of Israel. And so let's think about it. You know, a lot of times we'll say, well, I just need to try harder. Or, well, you know, that's just the way I am. I mean, yeah, I know I've got a little bit of temper, but that's just the way I am. Well, to a certain extent, that's true. Yep, you're a sinner. You've got a sinful nature, so yep, that's just the way you are. Or I am. But that's no excuse. I mean, like, again, how Brother Brian brought up in Romans chapter 6. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness. God wouldn't tell us to do something if we were not capable of being able to apply it. And so holiness, repentance, as a child of God, means repenting of sin. Realizing, yes, that lie I told, that time of anger, whether it's at my spouse or my dog or my cat or, or that driver that just pulled out in front of me, those little sins can still hinder our fellowship with God Almighty. And if we want to be closer to God, God said, draw near unto Him, He'll draw on to us. In other words, there's some things we've got to take the initiative in. That means dealing with sin in our own heart. Acknowledging it as sin. We need to be like, like King David. Turn with me to Psalm 51. This is a passage that just so grips my heart every time I read it. Psalm 51, this was written by, or, or written by David after he was confronted with his sin with Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah, his, her husband. And just kind of read the sense, the, the burden he has and the true concept he has of what he has done. Psalm 51 verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my, trend, my transgressions. And notice he says, my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. What do we see? What we're gathered from David's prop? Of course, we say, well, that was adultery and murder. But we need to remember sin is sin, folks. Sin, any sin is an affront to a holy God. And so David, two things we see here. <clears throat> he acknowledged what it was. He had sinned against God. You say, well, how is that? I mean, he's the one that had Uriah killed. I mean, he sinned against Uriah. Well, yeah, he did. And he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Yeah, he did. And they were, but where did all begin? What two commandments did he disobey? Commandments given by who? Given by God. He had sinned against the holy God and what the commandments God had given him. And that's the reason he was so grieved. 
And he acknowledged what I did was nothing but outright sin, iniquity, transgression. Just notice the different words he used. I mean, he's like, okay, I get the point. This was wrong. But he cried out to God, have mercy upon me. According to thy loving kindness, blot out all my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. But notice something else he did. He said, have mercy upon me. My iniquity. My sin. He was taking full responsibility for the choices he had made. I mean, you think about it. Well, Lord, if she hadn't been so naked out there in the open view for anybody above her to watch, I mean, she's partly to blame too. And Uriah, if he had been done what I told him to do, I would have had to eliminate him and try to soften how bad it was what he did. And isn't that what we do sometimes? Well, I was wrong, but so were you. If you hadn't said that word to me, I wouldn't have gotten mad at you. Like thinking that we can shift some of the blame to somebody else. But David, in order to get right with God, he had the right understanding of what true repentance unto holiness was all about. And but, you know, not only about dealing with sin, but there's another area that Jesus talked about repentance. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. And some of you probably already know where I'm going with this. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Here's Jesus Christ. I mean, if you've got a red, red edition, uh, red letter edition Bible, you know, this is Jesus talking. It's Jesus, Son of God, the Holy Son of God. And he's talking to the people at the church at, Laodice, uh, excuse me, at Ephesus. And, and we see in chapter 2, he brags on them, boy, I'm telling you, you're doing all such things. Verse 2, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience. How thou canst not bear them which are evil, thou tried them which say they're apostles and not, hast found them, hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not found. I mean, that, you know what he's describing here? The average independent fundamental Baptist church in America. But notice next what he says. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And then notice what he says, verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and what's that next word? Repent. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee, and quickly remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. You know what happens, especially for those who have been saved for many years? We can go through the religious motions and grow cold in our relationship with God. Because we're doing all the right things. We're going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We're having our daily devotions. We go to prayer meeting. We go pray down the prayer list. But yet we feel kind of there's this cloud between us and God. You know what it is? Doing what's happened here at the church at Ephesus. It's kind of like a lot of times with marriage. You know, you can have that, you know, when you get married, you're all excited. And, and Terry, we're still on our honeymoon. We're hoping it'll last for the next 20 years. 
But you know how it is uh, after being married after a while, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, same, same spouse, you know, and that, that fervency, uh, you know, just kind of cools off. And what do you have to do as a couple? You know, you have to work at staying fervent in your relationship with your spouse. It just doesn't happen. We may think, well, I married the best man or the best woman in the world. And I hope you did. I did. But you know what? Marriage still takes a lot of work to keep a fervency there. It's the same way with our relationship with God. We can be saved, assured of our salvation. We could, like I heard one preacher say, you can swing over hell in a, uh, uh, a vine, squirt the devil with a squirt gun, and you're just as secure as you'll ever be. Good. Praise God for eternal security. But how's our walk with God? How close are we to Him? God was, I mean, He said, Jesus, He said, look, I have someone against you. You've left your first love. Repent. Or I'm going to take the candlestick out. Meaning, I think there's many ways you can apply that. But like you will no longer really be an effective witness for me. Except you repent. Let's look at it again. Let's go on to chapter 3. Chapter 3. The Laodicean church. And we all know about the Laodicean church. You're either, you're either warm. I mean, you're either... Uh, hotter, you're not neither hot nor cold. You're warm, and you're so disgusting in my spiritual might, in my presence. I'd just rather vomit you out. And then we get to that verse, down to verse uh, 19. Jesus says this to the church at Laodicea: "As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten." Notice he says, "Those that I love, be zealous, therefore, and what? Repent." Repent of your lukewarmness. And then he said, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come unto him and will sup with him and he with me. And I personally believe he's talking here to believers. Most people use this verse as a verse of under salvation. But in the context, he's talking to a church at Laodicea. And he's concerned about their, their spiritual walk with him. He said, if you'll repent, then I'll open up the door and we'll have sweet fellowship together. If you repent. There's somebody, maybe somebody here tonight. You realize, you know, I really feel kind of distant from God. I don't feel that close like I used to feel. Maybe what you need is some good old-fashioned Repentance. Getting right with God. Maybe you've got a pile of little things. Just kind of like marriage. You know, you talk with a lot of people that have been divorced. It's nothing big like adultery or getting beaten or anything like that. It's just a big pile of things, little things to keep piling up over the years to find it's like I've had enough, I'm out of here. When the little things need to be dealt with. And that's what happens with us Christians sometimes. We let the little things keep piling up and then we wonder why we don't feel close to God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You're lukewarm. You don't have any fervor about anything. You couldn't boil an egg if I tried. You need to repent. And if you repent, we'll have a sweet fellowship. 
So I'd like for us to consider some, some aspects of true repentance. Some of we've already referred to them, but I'd just like to kind of do it in a summary. First part of true repentance as a Christian is acknowledging it's sin. That's one reason we need to be in the book regularly. Remember how the Lord, uh, the book of James, talking about how many of us are like, we look in the mirror and then forget what we look like and walk away? You ever done that? You know, it's like you look in the mirror and say, yep, that's what it is, and walk away and it stays that way. The Lord is saying, look, look into the Word of God and realize what you did, what you said is a sin against a holy God and He wants to clear it up so we can have sweet fellowship. So first step is acknowledge your sin. Number two, take full responsibility for it. Just like David did. My sin, my iniquity, my transgressions. Too many times we want to like, well, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as so-and-so. Or I was provoked. It's not my fault. You know, how many times? Well, I was, yes, I was wrong, but so were you. That's not taking full responsibility. I mean, your spouse could be the meanest person allowed. It never justifies sinful behavior on on the other person's part. Never. We are responsible for the choices of how we respond. Is it hard sometimes? Most certainly. But we're still responsible. And true repentance involves taking full responsibility for the choice you and I make in response to a certain situation. That's repentance. Taking full responsibility. Many of marital relationships have been eased by at least one person starting off and said, okay, look, honey, you're right. I was wrong. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. And not, you know, be thinking, okay, if I admit I'm wrong, she'll say what she, that she was wrong. No, just totally, just, I was wrong. And let me tell you something, fellas. I think it's harder for fellas to admit when they're wrong. You know, because we're so smart and bravado and, you know, we're the head of the house. You know, it's hard to, well, I may have made, I may have been made a mistake. No, 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 no. You know what that I have found through the years, through personal experience, but also listening to other couples? What, men, your wives respect you more when you admit when you've done wrong, when you responded wrong, said something that was hurtful, well, I didn't mean it. It doesn't matter if it hurt her or it hurt her. Admit that you was wrong and you, you need to know your spouse well enough to realize, if I say this, this is going to hurt her, so I'm better not, not say this. But if you go ahead and say it, you're wrong. So admit you're wrong. Take full responsibility for your choice and action. She'll respect you even more. Thank you, ladies, for not saying Amen. Take knowledge of sin, take full responsibility, and there needs to be genuine grief. Realizing I, I sin. Oh, I'm so, I mean, because like you go back to Psalm 51 and read David. I mean, he, you could just tell he was grieved over a sin. It's not good enough to say, well, I'm sorry. That's just expressing your feelings. True repentance involves true genuine grief, realizing I was wrong. 
And then run to God. Run to God. I love what we just read in Revelation 3, uh, chapter 3 where it said, As many as I love. God's not so much, in a sense, mad at us because the, the wrath of God was settled on the cross for us. But He is grieved. What does it say? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit of God? By sin. So what God wants, He wants us to run to Him. And He's there with open arms, ready to forgive. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? If we what? If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful to forgive us. What a God we serve. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad that that word faithful is in there. Because if it wasn't in there, I, I would pray that I wore that verse out many years ago. But I'm so thankful that God is faithful. When I confess, Lord, I sinned here, will you forgive me? God's faithful to forgive. Yes, when Christ died on the cross, He paid for all of our sins. We're talking about relationship aspect there. But as a child of God, just like in marriage. I mean, you know, when you say, I do, and I do, you're married. The covenant is established. You go through your life a little few years and you have a squabble. What happens to the fellowship? It hinders it. Do you have to go, get, go back and get remarried because you have a squabble? No. You just got to confess you're wrong, ask for forgiveness, and rekindle the fire. But you don't have to go get remarried. But same token, we don't have to go back and get saved again. Because when God says He He forgives us and He saves us, and when we uh, put our trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we're saved. But we can do things that will hurt our fellowship with Him. That's where repentance comes in. That's where repentance comes in. But also genuine repentance also involves a certain level of a plan of how to correct it. I mean, just saying, okay, I I sinned, will you forgive me? It also involves of seeking God out. Lord, what can I do to correct this in my life? What can I do to correct this in my life? Find some Bible verses that will help you deal with that particular issue. I personally believe that this book deals with everything you and I deal with. Get in, get in the book and, and read and, and get a verse or so that helps and, and concentrate on it. But just... Constantly we need to work on having a tender heart to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Because what's that? The word holy is an adjective. It's the Spirit of God that's holy and He dwells every believer and He's working to make us more like Christ. And I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you because you're in your mortal flesh. We've got a long ways to go, don't we? Before we can say we're like Christ. But little bit by little bit, God deals with the things in our life, and if we respond in a repentant way, we'll be more and more like Jesus. And that pleases God. That pleases God. So, I challenge you tonight. Listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you tonight. Is there something you need to repent of? Is there something you need to go to your spouse and say, honey, I was wrong when I said this or did this or didn't do this. Will you forgive me? 
There's nothing better than the blessing of repentance. Because you know what it does? It restores the sweetness of relationship. When we repent unto salvation, the sweetness of being a child of God. When we repent as a child of God, the blessing is sweet, a sweeter fellowship with God Almighty. When we repent between each other, we established a sweeter fellowship. It's kind of like eating crow. I did a little bit of research and come to find out, you know, people do actually make crow pie. It's got a lot of protein in it, they say. You know, in our, but when we say, boy, eating crow pie, I've kind of come to the conclusion, it tastes terrible, but it's very good for you. And that's the way it is with repentance. It, uh, 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 I was wrong. Oh, it's so hard to say that. But oh, I feel so good. That's what repentance does for us. And God is pleased. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you tonight. And oh, Father, how we cry out that your Holy Spirit will speak to each and every one of us, myself included. Whatever your Holy Spirit is speaking to us about, oh, Father, may we humble ourselves, take responsibility, and run to you for forgiveness and cleansing. And Lord, if there's someone that we need to make things right with, oh, Father, may we humble ourselves and make it right. Oh, Father, may we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Give us grace, Lord. Oh, how we need your grace to do that which pleases you. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.